Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Rusty Quill presents. My mother's name was Charlotte. After everything we just learned from a dead man possessing an ancient idiot box, her name was all I could focus on. I didn't hold it against Romy for keeping it from me. 
It wasn't the sort of time and place you spring world-altering insights. And as for the questionable nature of the creature who'd kindly dropped that nugget, I just knew, despite common sense, he was giving us the straight dope. Devils deal in facts as much, if not more, than they peddle falsehoods. Besides, I knew a wooden nickel when I bit one. Still, I didn't need to read The Prince or even The Art of War to know the strategy behind Nykrist's little gift. Sow chaos into the ranks of your enemies. It was as simple a tactic as it was effective. I was already wondering how I could deep-six the guy while still getting more equally glittering nuggets. To say the very least, I was setting myself up for failure. Betting against the devil is one thing. Betting against him in Vegas, well, that's another, isn't it? After the television set went dark and the olden estercliff sank back into a sea of static, we hightailed it over to the biggest building in town, the Marrow's Bed Cannery. Galen said we could make Kilroy's and avoid walking through the middle of town by going through the place and coming out on the far end of Marrow's, where Kilroy's mansion was situated. Romy figured the place most likely sat, or had been spirited atop, the sinkhole Galen talked about, where the townspeople sacrificed and received their whispered marching orders. The puzzle was finally coming together, and it wasn't looking good. Before we talked to the man in the box back there, I was actually glad Abel Crickmeyer and company managed to get out of Marrow's while the getting was good. But now that I know he sold the place to someone else, knowing what he knew, just to make a buck? <laughs> Man, what a dirtbag. Marrow's does seem to have a habit of attracting some unsavory people. Even old Galen was more about the money and reputation than was healthy. I wonder what that says about us. You shouldn't sweat it. After all, habits are made to be broken. I don't know about that brother of mine. I'm pretty sure I saw you slip a certain golden dagger into your bag back at the Crickmire place. <laughs> Unsavory is charged. If Galen's right about gold being able to stem the flow of darkness, it could certainly come in handy. <laughs> no judgment here. I only noticed because I was going to grab it myself. But while we're on the topic, Galen's little story got me thinking about that vault over top the serpent's nest. Now, I'm no mineralogist, but I'd bet that gold and precious gems aren't often found right next to each other. I'm thinking the innards of the vault or buried all around it were golden seals of some kind, something used to ward the site and keep away any curious darklings. All the gold the townspeople dug up during the Great Darkness and then dumped into the lake was just another step in the activation of the Serpent Line. Yeah, this whole scheme looks like it was a pretty well-oiled machine, start to finish. Here's hoping a couple of monkey wrenches like us can find a few cogs to throw out of whack. The old cannery probably looked pretty foreboding on its best day. But now, in the middle of a supernatural storm of darkness, it was the stuff of nightmare. The massive funeral shroud covering it top to bottom trembled like a layer of delicate flesh, the wind lending it just enough movement to seem alive. 
The same wind whispered through the cracks and gullies of the ramshackle place. A chorus of ghosts. The door refused a sentry via more locks and chains I'd ever seen attached to a single entrance. Luckily, Romy's Balik wasn't one to take no for an answer. Jeez, what the hell couldn't that thing slice through? Darkness fell like a hammer once we crossed the threshold, my power straining to keep it out of Romy's eyes. Despite my best effort, the range of her light was sheared in half. I was still hurting from shielding us from the serpent line when it exploded open. And then I went and handled the revolvers for too long. My mind stiff and achy. Hands like they tried to heft an iceberg. Sometimes my gift helped me out in that department. Kept me upright. But the price was high. Focusing it on myself made me sick, despondent, hopeless. It wasn't unlike handling the guns, just without the sense of cosmic certainty. But it could keep me in one piece. Freeze my flesh and bones in place. Keep things from getting worse. Give my healing faculties a chance to deal with the damage. I wasn't at that point yet, where I needed to lean on that aspect of my power. But I was getting there. After we took our first steps, the dark started solidifying, increasing its grip on the room and everything inside it. It was like trying to move through piles of slush, and the slush was building up fast, getting harder and harder to push through. While everything Romy's light touched were the suitably drab tones of a world transformed by darkness, the gradually increasing number of brightly wrapped candies, the kind of stuff you find piled in a silver dish in an old lady's living room, began to push back at the foreboding atmosphere. Tiny notes of saccharine music began to twinkle out from the corners, and a heaving mound of candy corn halted our forward momentum. The sugar-coated hill shook slightly, betraying the thing buried beneath it. <laughs> you two never say thank you. Impolite. <laughs> very, very impolite. It was the sweet maker, as Romy called him, his voice coming from everywhere, the taste of mint and cinnamon burning my throat. Well, uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks, uh... Mr. Sugar, <laughs> cause I'm so sweet. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Sugar... What team are you playing for? Why, I'm a free agent, beholden to no one. Sort of. <laughs> what about you two, hmm? On what side is your bread buttered, I wonder? Hmm, odd. I thought you'd prefer a different condiment like jelly or jam. Maybe honey. Oh, I do like jam. All those little seeds suspended in sweetness. <laughs> Desiccated babes clutched in gobs of dead, mutilated fruit. Messy, though. <laughs> Sticky. I bet you were waiting for me to go there, right? Babies being cradled by the dead and all that. But... That's not my game, you see. I'm on your side. <laughs>
the one slathered in all that yummy jam. <laughs> Sounds more like marmalade, but uh, what do I know? I'm more of a peanut butter on toast sort of guy. But let me ask you, if you're such a free agent, what makes you so sweet on us? <laughs> Sorry, couldn't shake the sugar theme. I completely understand. Sugar can be habit-forming, you know. But as for your query, that's for me to know and you to find out. Though, you really shouldn't be looking a gift horse in the mouth, no matter how much wonderful candy's been smushed in there. But, because you did finally say thank you, I'll help out just a little bit more, being that the two of you are so stressed out. You see, it wasn't your fault, either of you, about your mommy. Sweet, sweet Charlotte. She didn't die a shrieking mess like all the other night mothers. Why, she even held you for a few moments before she finally bled out. <laughs> oh, poor dear. Why the hell should we believe anything you have to say? Because I'm right. And I know you know I am. Anyway, I hope that clears up any lingering guilt issues you might have. Regrettably, I have to leave now. But I left you one more gift. Stay sweet now. <laughs> With his last words, the top of the candy hill shook loose a small orange and white avalanche revealing the creature trapped inside. Gabriel. Barely more than a bleeding torso, all his spidery limbs plucked. He was wrapped tight in what looked like a webbing of thick pink taffy. Impressed into the front of it all were little mint candies, all of them spelling out, Ask me anything. Isaiah pulled me aside while the inhuman eyes of the thing looked on helplessly. For crying out loud, does anyone not know our business? It could be this weird darkness. I think it acts like a kind of network wherein all the darklings are integrated, sharing information between one another almost instantly. So, if Nykrist knows something, they all do. And he does seem to know his way around our business pretty well. So that makes this freak... Mr. Sugar, a Darkling, right? That's my guess. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you, but his helping us could be just another way of hurting us later. Yeah, that checks out pretty good. So, what do we do with the captive audience? Remember when I said someone has to play by their rules? Well, this is where our methods part ways. My brother slid the golden dagger from his bag and walked towards the imprisoned monster. This moment was a long time in the making. Likely another well-played move by Nykrist. Sowing division. I recalled what I told Isaiah about death being their only release. Do what you have to. Isaiah crouched next to the mutant thing, sliding the blade under the strand of taffy sealing its mouth shut. Don't get any ideas of vibrating any of your weird-ass mojo through the darkness, because I got us sealed off tight. Isaiah flexed his power, what little he had left. 
his eyes turning pale and cold. Your mommy would be so disappointed with the two of you playing with sharp objects. You can drop the mommy routine anytime. It isn't going to help you none. But if you play your cards right, this could be over quick and painless. Gabriel smiled with too many small, pointy teeth to count, his pupils narrowing to the tiniest red points as he eyed the blade Isaiah held up in front of his face. Realizing the blade's composition, those eyes widened impossibly, his expression divided between disgust and fear. You... you keep that damn thing away from me, you hear? I do indeed hear. (laughs) In fact... That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Now that we all have a better idea of what the situation is, let's get down to the skinny, shall we? Gabriel fell silent, his eyes fixed upon the blade. Isaiah was expressionless, his demeanor a perfected mask of ice. I didn't want to think about how many times he'd done this sort of thing. Now, I want you to tell me a little story. It's called Everything I Know About Nychrist, the Son of Eels, by Gabriel Crickmeyer. Why, you can know all you like. It's not going to help you one damn bit. Nychrist from the great below, a child of the unbegotten dark, a prince of darkness, you might say. Sathanas, the night god? Your sister's a lot quicker than you are, isn't she, bright boy? Yes, Romy, Sathanas, the maker of the dark, eater of light, lord of living shadow. This Sathanas fella sure does wear a lot of hats, doesn't he? Keep going. He relieves of us the burden of order. Repression liberates our shadows. We all cast them, don't we? Our own personal darkness, filled with all the choices never made and words never spoken. And even the unmet consequences of those moments when we actually did let slip just a teeny weeny bit of our darkness. Isn't that right, Isaiah? All our famished appetites that died of starvation still hunger and wait in our shadows. And that's where you'll find him, waiting. Look, if I wanted the door-to-door pitch, I'd have stayed in Nighthead. Now tell me something I don't already know, or I'll take my time with you. You got me. Isaiah tapped the very tip of the blade upon Gabriel's sunken cheek. The monster winced like he'd been struck by a fist. His hour is nigh, filth. The black burning tower of the one true shadow is already rising against your sallow stars. He will tear the sins from the world, drink its darkness. Isaiah sunk the blade into the thing's shoulder, ending its tirade. (laughs) Gabriel grit his teeth so hard, a few of them cracked and fell from his mouth. Isaiah was still calm as calm could be. After the the great darkness, my family had nowhere left to go but our old ancestral place here in Maros. But my grandfather knew what that meant. He'd been told the story of old Abel Crickmeyer, and he knew about gold, what it could do. 
before we arrived here, my grandfather sold off uh, almost everything we had left to have that dagger made. And he secretly placed explosives uh, near the mine. If ever he needed to take matters into his own hands, if what he was told as a boy turned out to be true and not some bit of family folklore. But after the great darkness, the story didn't seem so far-fetched. He had me sneak dynamite into the ridge, right over top the mine, little by little, till there was enough to finally blow the place apart. <laughs> Poor bastard never had a chance to make good on his plan. <clears throat> and you won't either. The darkness there is older than time and harder than stone. Arr, you goddamn worthless dogs won't... Thanks. That's about all I needed to know. Gabriel's head slumped, smoke and ash lifting up from where Isaiah opened its throat. Silence claimed the moment while my brother wiped the gold blade clean, dragging it across the thick coil of taffy still binding the corpse of the last Crickmire. <clears throat> well, that's that, I guess. We found our opening. Will just detonating the mine really do anything? Especially now? Serpent lines are conducted by a certain symmetry built into the land, a, a sacred geometry. If you disrupt the environment's shape enough, you disrupt the serpent line. It should work. I'm also thinking there's likely still some gold buried somewhere around the line, at the very least some trace amounts from the shattered seals. The explosion should also add that to the mix, enhancing the disruption. Shouldn't take much to locate the charges atop the ridge. It's getting there that's going to be the problem. You still think the best play is going through Kilroy's? A straight shot might work better. Have to play it by ear, I think. Wait till we get out there. Survey the surroundings. At that exact moment, I really wasn't interested in a plan. I only wanted to get away from the body wrapped in candy. I knew Gabriel was effectively dead and damned well before Isaiah killed him. But there was still a likeness to the human being he once was to say nothing about the humanity that seemed missing from my brother. Isaiah cut the monster's throat like it was a slab of beef. His eyes seemed almost as dead as Gabriel's. Once we were on the move again, the body well behind us, my mind got back to the business of paranoia. My meds were still holding, but barely. I kept glancing down at Isaiah's hand, the one he'd just killed with. I was almost certain it was the hand of something inhuman. It was hard to keep watch over, though my eyes were our only source of light. I couldn't give my brother any clue of my suspicions. He was whistling under his breath, his ticks lacking any real melody, just little spurts of sound. Naturally, the darkness could replicate Isaiah's ticks if he were possessed, or a dark simulacrum. The darkness knew us better than we knew ourselves. I put my hand on my balik when Isaiah's hand twitched, perhaps trying to extrude claws to tear me apart. I had to force myself to keep it in its sheath, remind myself that my brother wasn't a threat, 
that it was all just another delusion. <sighs> I'd never yearned for daylight so much, to wash off the shadows and clear my brain. You hear that? Yeah, came from behind us. Now I'm sure I saw some dame and a pinhead brother come in here. I wonder where they could be. <laughs> it was Golturo, which should have worried me. But I was relieved. I could finally take my mind off my brother. And whether or not I'd be forced to kill him. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. And the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.